0: As Canada slowly emerges from the COVID-19 pandemic, what people, tools, and processes will be needed to reshape and rebuild the new retail landscape? Find out this month during the Automotive News Canada Retail Forum Dealer Discussion Series. Hear from top retailers and industry executives as they share their insights and strategies for dealers to rebuild their businesses and meet the needs of today's consumers. There is no cost to view this virtual series, but registration is required. Register today at automotivenews.ca slash retailforum. Hi everyone and welcome to the August 14th, 2020 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. My guest today is no stranger to the pages of our publication... She was a 2018 Automotive News Canada All-Star and a 2019 Canadian to Watch. She's here to talk about everything electric. From new and used sales to incentives to government support and infrastructure, we'll examine the EV landscape here in Canada when I speak with Kara Clairman, the head of Plug and Drive, a nonprofit organization committed to the accelerating adoption of electric vehicles. On this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations, Kara, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: My pleasure. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, how were EV sales in the first quarter of 2020? What kind of year were we looking at before COVID 19 struck?
1: Well, I mean, it depends where uh, you're talking about, but Canada wide sales have been doubling uh, annually. Uh, mostly driven uh, in in 2019 and 2020 by uh, really great sales in BC and Quebec. Uh, the rest of the country a little slower. Ontario is growing, but not at the rate it it was uh, previously because of you know the loss of uh, provincial incentives. Right. I, I, what
0: I mean, let's start there. Then let's move there. They 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 took away the ev rebates in ontario it yes. obviously it, it slash sales are you working it definitely with, definitely did are you working with premier doug ford and the government right now to get those back i just wonder what kind of conversations you're having with the government <laughs> it, and if they're open well, to it
1: we've made a few attempts this is not a priority area for them is all i can say i don't think there's much hope that those incentives will come back um how, how needed are they
0: in a province like ontario
1: <laughs> well look, I mean, they're still needed right now. Uh, although certainly we're seeing over time, you know, as you know, battery prices drop. And so that makes the vehicles more affordable. Uh, you know, over time we will see a decreased need for them. Uh, I think there's, uh, it was probably Bloomberg or, or, yeah, I think it was Bloomberg that, um, indicated they thought that we would be at price parity around 2025. Uh, So, you know, there'll be a point soon where they won't be needed. But I think right now uh, they are still needed and the federal rebates uh, are definitely helping. But, uh, you know, you can see why the sales are so much better in, in B.C. and Quebec. I mean, because they're layering on the provincial rebates on top. Um, but actually one of the the sort of bright lights uh, has been the sale of used electric vehicles. Um, And so we're seeing a really great upswing in sale of used EVs, which will allow people who maybe feel they can't afford a new EV uh, get into the market and people who switch to electric rarely ever go back. So certainly that will be another way in for a lot of people.
0: I, uh, I had incentives as part of my questioning today, and since we're there right now, the federal government is set to resume sitting in Parliament in September. Yes. Is there anything you want the federal government to do to encourage e v sales in Canada? Is the current rebate enough, or is there more that you'd like to see the feds do?
1: Well, it would be great you know if they if they were able to do a little bit more. Uh, I think right now, though, given um, COVID and given, you know, how how strapped the government's going to be, I think just hanging on to that rebate is going to be the thing that we want to do.
0: So you're Uh, afraid it might go away.
1: Well, I mean, I certainly haven't heard that. But I mean, we've definitely, you know, in these sort of budget pre-budget consultations, we've written in to say, please, you know, don't take them away right uh they make a difference um the whole ev community actually has gotten together and has written to to ask them to maintain those incentives that they're key uh, especially in parts of the country with no and no provincial uh incentive uh and especially and let's let's face it like if the government wants to hit its climate goals transportation is key and so you know people sometimes i think wrongly think about this money as money being given to individuals, you know, to buy cars. And what they should be thinking is this is money to reduce greenhouse gas emissions.
0: Would you be happy if they kept th- that incentive figure? I believe it's $5,000. It 5, yeah. Would you be happy if they kept that figure, but applied it more broadly to perhaps some more hybrid vehicles and things like that, or, um, lowered, the cost of the qualifying vehicles to um, whatever might be the cheapest EV on the market right now, because right now some are excluded, right? The, ch- the cheaper right. ones are excluded. I mean, different... The hybrids are excluded. Would you like to see more vehicles included?
1: Um, you know, we tend to focus on plug-in hybrids right. uh, rather than uh, hybrids. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing hybrids getting some form of incentive um, I'm not sure that hybrids need an incentive. I'm not, I'm not, uh, to be honest, I'm no expert on, on whether that price is, is a deterrent for people. I can certainly tell you though, you know, EVs because of that big battery, you know, that is, you know, people do sort of notice there is that sticker price that tends to be a little bit higher. Interestingly, you know, if people did the math on the total cost of ownership, an EV actually is cheaper even today. What what Um, do you
0: say? I've seen some critics out there say that, yeah, they might be cheaper, but the mining and the transportation of the, the chemicals and the minerals and all the things needed to make a battery, uh, make it actually worse for the environment. Do you believe that that, or what is your response um, to that?
1: That's just actually wrong. Um, We've, uh, you know, and and you don't need to sort of take my word for it, there, there's there been so many life cycle assessments done by scientists, and they're the ones who we really have to look to as the experts on this, counting up the greenhouse gas emissions when you do the full life cycle comparison of a gas car to an electric car. It's been done in the U.S., it's been done in Canada, it's been done by so many different experts and Inevitably, in every one, the EV comes out way ahead from a greenhouse gas perspective. And the reason is, even when you take into account all those things, the making of the battery, the transportation of of things, even when you take into account all those things, it's the driving that is such a larger piece of the emissions profile of a vehicle's life um, that uh, the GHG emissions are still swamped uh you know when you compare a gas car to an electric car. So so I would just refer people to, you know, to any of those studies that have shown that the there's there's many, many studies out there that and then every time it comes out that way.
0: So what's the biggest myth about EVs right now? You tried to dispel one just now. I just wonder if there are any others that you'd like to dispel right now. What are some of the biggest myths about EVs and perhaps those that are keeping people from buying them?
1: Well, I, I, I don't know if you can call this a myth, but the thing that I, that we've found, so that we've done a lot of research on, you know, people's attitudes and behaviors and why they might think whatever they think. And there's, I think, two key things. Um, One is simply, uh, you know, they say EVs are too expensive. That, that is a reaction that we hear from a lot of people Uh, because maybe they've just, they know about Tesla and they know, might know about a few makes and models and they don't realize the range of makes and models available now. So, uh, and they also have never considered used. So in in general, there's sometimes a knee jerk reaction like, oh, EVs are too expensive. I can't even consider it. So that's a sort of problem number one. And then, um, on the issue of range, which continues to be something that weighs on people's minds we find the 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 reality if you look at the data is that most people so let's talk about canadians sure. most canadians 80% of canadians drive 50 kilometers or less a day uh so most of us actually could easily drive even the lowest range ev and it would work for like 98% of our trips but what happens in a car buying Uh, sort of psychology is people think about the one-off trip much more so than they think about their daily commute. So when people say, oh no, this car can't work for me, it's because once a year I, whatever you fill in the blank. I I
0: go to the cottage or (laughs) I I visit my in-laws in Quebec or whatever the case may be. Once a
1: year I go to Montreal, once a year I go to Algonquin, once a year I go across Canada, whatever it is and that for whatever reason looms very large in people's minds for their car choice. And and not to say, you know, people shouldn't want what they want, but what, one one thing when it comes to the EV, we try to say, hey, choose the car for the 98%. What are you doing 98% of the time? And then if once a year you need a van to pull a boat or you need or you take a gang somewhere or whatever, rent it. You know, borrow it from a friend, take a train, do something else. And don't let that once a year thing, which probably could be done by an EV, but might be stressful for the person because it's a remote location or whatever it is, um, you know, don't make that the reason you can't choose an EV for literally every other trip you do in your life. So, so, so that leads into so this that, question. So that what I would be say is is probably the most challenging um, to overcome for people.
0: So, so that leads me to two questions, and I'll ask this one first: Is there a market in Canada for an electric pickup?
1: Well, definitely there will be. Um, okay. There is a. a We love our pickup trucks, and you know, um, I'm really, I'm actually disappointed it's been so slow. We thought that some were coming out this year, it looks like they'll come in 2021 now. Um, You know, COVID has slowed down manufacturing of every kind of car, including um, electric. Um, So, you know, we hear that the Ford F 150 will come, the Rivian will come probably a Silverado or some such GM truck will come maybe 2022. Uh, So we're going to see a bunch of them come and certainly they will. And I think they'll probably be offered in both plug-in hybrid and full electric so that people have choice. And I think that's helpful because we do find the plug-in hybrid. That's the other thing that people seem to forget about when they say, well, I can't do an EV because twice a year I do this big long trip. And, so first of all, we try to persuade with the do the 98 percent what I just explained. But then the other alternative is to say, what about a plug-in hybrid? Right. You know that plug-in hybrid gets you the let's say 50, 60, 70 kilometers to the battery. So that's going to cover most of your urban, suburban commuting or whatever your daily trips are. And then when you do the road trip, when you do the long trip, you've got it. Right. Um, you fill up so and and you you that's use a the great gas. That's a great solution for a lot of people. And I don't think there's any reason to discourage people from that. I know like sort of the purists say, oh, you got to go all the way. I say, you know what? We like to joke in sort of the EV community. But the plug-in hybrid is like the gateway drug. <laughs> it's like you you get them into it. They love it. They try to do all their driving in electric. If you look at the the stats of like cars like the Volt, and the Ford C Max, people do like ninety percent of their driving on electric. They want to stay in electric. <laughs>
0: what, they once they it, get once a taste of that, it. do they do they try and use it as often they, as they yes. can? Do they
1: push that limit? Yes, they maximize it and they plug in everywhere they are because you can just plug in on a one ten outlet, a regular outlet, you know, because right. the battery's not that huge. So anywhere they go, they plug it in, and they really do maximize the battery use. And so when people say I drive too far to drive an ev well nobody drives too far because of the plug-in hybrid that there you know anyone can do that and so we say hey if you're not ready if you're not ready to go all the way you know this is a great answer for you
0: yeah it sounds like you're telling me there's almost no excuse not to own if you use the excuse that i go too far your answer is well then get the plug-in hybrid
1: right and and look um, you know, look, there's also the car style and size and, you know, there's there's considerations and there's big families. And look, there's not a ton of large vehicles. And there are reasons why people can't do it. And th- and that's fine. Or let's say you live somewhere where you can't get a plug. And you know, so we say, how about work? Maybe work has a plug. Sometimes there's answers. And look, there are going to be legit times where people just can't. Um, but what, what we found in the data is most of us do those one-off trips only a few times a year most of us could rent or do something else in, in in that context and so many canadian families have two cars and so in that situation you say hey for the long trip give the drop the stress and take the other car sure. you know and just just like use this car for your commuting car your city car whatever you're doing and you know you got that other car so just use it for that
0: so, so here's my second question in this vein, and we have this conversation a few times a year here at Auto News Canada, um, and it has to do with range. Are energy companies and governments not building enough EV infrastructure because there isn't enough demand, or are people not buying EVs because they believe there isn't enough infrastructure? And, and my editor-in-chief always says, it's chicken and the egg, and we're always having this conversation. So which is it?
1: it It is chicken and egg uh it's both uh you know now it it has changed a lot. there actually is if you go on plugshare or charge hub or one of the apps you know that shows you where all the chargers are, there's actually been an explosion of chargers uh and there's a lot more than you think uh so so I would say people are building them governments and utilities and all sorts of people. I mean, you know, now we've got the Electrify Canada from, you know, money from Volkswagen. We've got, you know, OPG and Hydro One building a network in Ontario with, uh, you know, that's a utility oriented one. There's uh, Petro Canada doing it. I mean, th- there are a lot uh, coming out. So, So I think part of the issue that you describe is chicken and egg. But part of it is also people who drive gas cars do not see them. Because these are not large neon corner signs like a gas station. They're a small box that might be behind a building. Right. And so, uh, what I so so my answer is 2 First of all, there actually is a lot of infrastructure being built. The the second part of the of the answer is if you look again at stats, uh, about 80% of us who drive EVs plug in at home overnight. So and does that give is, you enough for the next day? That gives you enough to oh, do Oh, your... my God, yes. I mean, every EV can charge fully overnight.
0: And you wouldn't go through a full charge the next day if you're oh, doing never. that 50-kilometer commute char- you're talking if, about.
1: If, if, I'm an average Canadian driver. I drive bang on the Canadian average, which is 20,000 kilometers a year. Um, And I, I charge my car about once a week. Okay. So that's about average. Now, obviously, if you take a road trip, it's different. If you're doing, you know, some, you know, I have to travel for work occasionally, that's different, but, but in general, so um, 80% of us just plug in at home overnight. That's when it's cheapest. That's when it's most convenient. I don't need to go to a public charging station that often. And I think that that's true for a lot of us. And so there is sort of a chicken and egg in that, well, how much demand is there going to be for these public chargers versus, you know, uh, people seeing them, they want to know that they're there. So I think in a lot of ways, those chargers need to be advertised better that so that people who don't own EVs know that they're there. Um, so let me ask you this,
0: if you can charge overnight at home, I can't refuel overnight at home. I right. can't refuel in my garage and be set for the week. So, so is there enough is there enough demand to make money? Is that why businesses and companies and energy uh companies are shying away from it because they simply can't make money because I can charge at home?
1: Well, the business model is challenging. I'll say that I wouldn't say that they can't make money, but it is challenging and it's more of a long-term investment because over time they will make money. It's just you're not going to make money immediately. Okay. You know, and and uh So here's where they can make money. So you think about people who live in multi-unit residential, which in an urban center like Toronto or Montreal, uh, Vancouver, there's a lot of people, up to 25% of the people are living in multi-unit. Right. And in that case, it's hard to have a home plug. Uh, It's not impossible, but often it's difficult. So. In that case, those people are going to be relying on public charging. So, you know, it's strategic locations. And then, of course, road trips, strategic locations. So I think it's more about the strategic locations of those public chargers um, than, you know, how many we have. You know, Tesla is a great example of how to do it really, really well. I mean, they put their public charging in very strategic locations and they always put them with a bank of six or eight or 10 chargers. So you're never going to wait. Um, and, and they've made it uh, sort of a signature item. And now if you choose a Tesla, you have access to this huge network of infrastructure. You don't have to worry about it.
0: Do we get to the point where automakers actually own their own charging networks, no matter which brand they are, similar to what Tesla is doing?
1: I'm not sure if they'll own it, but they'll certainly be involved in it.
0: The way we see I Volkswagen mean, involved in theirs.
1: You see Volkswagen. And now you saw, I'm sure you saw the announcement last week of GM with some, uh, an organization called Evie go. Yes. And so, you know, you're going to see more and more of that because what they're seeing is people do have this concern about, about infrastructure, uh, whether they need it or not is sort of an open question, but they believe they need it. So and to be fair there are still a lot of blanks you know in the map but but it's getting a lot lot better like certainly as someone who's been driving an EV for 10 years i can tell you like compared to like 2011 when i was driving around it's like heaven now <laughs> i mean it's it's unbelievably good um for a new dri- new EV driver there's still probably some gaps depending on where you you know where you're going
0: so covid-19 is here now how do you see this pandemic affecting EV sales in Canada? We saw that we saw them take a hit uh, just as everyone else did. But for whatever reason, they were down a bit more during the, the height of the pandemic. Uh, for example, uh, new vehicle sales were down 45% in the second quarter. EV sales were down 50%. I just wonder what right, the pandemic's right. done done to the EV segment and why it took a bit of a bigger hit. Is it simply Extra because hit. it's lower volume?
1: Well, You know, I have a few theories on it. I I can't, of course, I don't really know is the truth, but here's my, you know, best guess on it. Um, There's a big supply problem in Canada. They're really hard to find, you know, so the harder it is to find something, let's face it, like you have to be really determined if you're, you know, you have to be so committed to sort of go to a dealer and it's not there and then you got to keep going. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people who are going to give up in that context. So I think the lack of supply definitely has played a role there. Um, on the other hand, I think EVs might rebound faster than other ma- other brands or other makes, um, ICE-type cars. Okay. And the reason I believe this, and, you know, I hope I'm right on this, is that you know, many of us did, especially if we live in a big city, did experience this sort of heavenly air quality.
0: Yeah, for I mean, a there's been pictures time. that
1: prove that, right? Right. And I think everybody, everybody became aware of how big of a role our cars play in air quality. You know, and I think maybe people hadn't drawn the connection between their own individual actions. You know, you think of it more as an industry problem or some other problem that's not you. Right. And it's like, wow, like if we all weren't driving, look at this great air quality we have. (laughs) And so I hope and I think it might inspire people to say, you know what? My next car for sure is going to be electric. I'm not you know, willing to stop driving, but I am willing to make that switch. And, you know, there was a study that just coincidentally came out right around the same time just about a month or two ago, that looked at the greater Toronto area, uh, I think the GTHA actually, so including Hamilton, and it looked at what would happen if 50% of vehicles switched to EV, uh, all like passenger cars and SUVs, and if 100% switched. And it was so dramatic, the change that would happen for our air quality and for our health and the, the cost savings that go along with that better air quality, like fewer ER visits, and all these things that happen in the billions of dollars of savings on healthcare, care. Um, and it kind of just made that connection even more clear. And then we saw studies out of Europe that said the cities that were the most polluted, so the people already were breathing a lot of bad air, they did much more poorly when they got COVID right. than people who lived in, in places with better air quality. So all these things, I think, even just like the average consumer has heard a lot of these things about air quality. And I think it's going to think, okay, you know what? That's it. My next car, uh, I'm going to do my part. Um, and I, and I hope I, I believe that that will happen.
0: Maybe that's the silver lining in, in part of the yeah. auto industry in this is, is this pandemic so. has opened up some people's eyes to other options and what our sort of actions, um, contribute to the, the environment and the climate. And so we'll keep an eye on that. Um, and I just appreciate like one it. One
1: last, one yeah. last thing, if I could, sure. I think just to make a, a plug, <laughs> a plug for <laughs> the, uh, for the used EV, because, um, that is an area where there is quite a lot of supply more than people think. Uh, and there's vehicles also available in other jurisdictions that you can bring into Ontario, for example, and, we are uh, offering a rebate, a privately funded rebate, not government funded rebate, on used EVs right now in Ontario through uh, Plug and Drive, with the support of a private philanthropist, and in partnership with an organization called Clean Air Partnership. And this is going so incredibly well, and people, when they realize they can get a used EV, and especially in times where some people have seen economic slowdown or they maybe have you know challenges with their employment. You know, a used EV is going to save them money on fuel and they can get it at a really good price. And I think this is going to be a great entryway for uh, people maybe who who couldn't afford a new EV or thought they couldn't afford a new EV. So I, I really hope that people will take a look at the used market.
0: Fascinating conversation. Uh, you're so insightful. You know your stuff so well. I appreciate um, the time, Kara. Uh, it's been uh, great. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much, Greg, for having me. We reached Kara at her home in the greater Toronto area. If you want to be a guest or have a suggestion or simply want to comment on the show, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can hear all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play or on our website, automotivenews.ca. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you join us next time. So long, everybody.